Welcome to the Fix Your Watchers podcast, where I own Stefan. Our mission is to equip, encourage, and exhort individuals through apologetics, fellow prophecy, and discipleship while emphasizing the gospel message. Pray that you are blessed by today's episode. Welcome to a pre- special presentation of Fig Tree Watchers. It's Friday Night Prophecy as we discuss Israel and current events. That's tonight here on Fig Tree Watchers as I'll be joined by my co-host and partner, Ayo from Amitsu Study. So join us everyone as we discuss the news events of the week and how they relate to Bible prophecy, but specifically tonight we will be discussing Israel. And uh, we uh, wanna thank you for joining us here at Fig Tree Watchers and we'll be joined by my partner from Amitsu Study uh, who is just come on board. So invite your friends. A great night as we do a live broadcast of Fig Tree Watchers and discuss the events of the week. Hey, Ayo, how are you? Hey, brother, doing well. It's been, I think, a month since we've been live again. It's been a while. Yes, it has. It's been a month. Uh, it's, it's quite good and uh, um, very exciting, everything that we're going through. Um, tonight. So we have a lot of things to discuss tonight and uh, a lot of news and uh, we want to get going on this. I feel a little rusty doing these lives because they are like a month in between, but um, but it's been uh, an incredible event uh, has taken place since the last time that we were live. And we're seeing more Bible prophecy being fulfilled uh, than we ever have before. And it's, it's getting really big. So, I, why don't you start us out with prayer, and then we'll get started. Yeah. Uh, Father, we just thank you for today, Lord. Um, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to um, use technology to talk about your word, to talk about your people, um, to talk about how we can um, correctly see the events uh, that are transpiring around the world um, that align with your scripture, Lord. And as we pray tonight, Lord, I also pray for your people. I just pray for leaders in Israel that you give them wisdom. Um, just um, just lead the nation well, Lord. We know that ultimately, no matter what happens, whether a larger war occurs in Israel, or no, no matter what happens, Lord, we know that ultimately you have your hand upon them, um, that you have your covenants with them, Lord, and that you will fulfill your covenants with them. You know, we know that you neither slumber nor sleep, and you'll protect them. Um, so we just pray for their protection. We pray uh, for the innocent civilians in Gaza and Israel uh, that ultimately you use this for your glory. You use this to draw people to yourself. I just pray for tonight as we reflect on these events and we um, seek your face and, and just understanding through all this. We just um, guide brothers to find nights to stick to scripture to um, point people to Christ and for this to be a blessing and encouragement to everybody who listens. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So for those of you who haven't heard us before, we uh, hold to a premillennial theology. Um, and uh, we look at the events in, that are going on in the world with uh, a biblical worldview. Yeah. Uh, and so that is real important as, as we get started on this tonight. Uh, this is, is a heavy heart for both Io and myself in what we are discussing because we feel that at no other time uh, are you seeing the events that have taken place. Now, with that being said, let's, let's do a little recap here. Number one, this started on October the 7th as Hamas did an invasion. Now, the first thing that you started hearing coming out of the news was, was this a setup by Israel? Mm -hmm. Did they know that this was coming so that they could hit back? The answer to that is absolutely 
false. That is false misinformation is out there. I have talked to many sources in the military and outside the military. Uh, in fact, um, uh, we are referencing the, some of these sources here tonight. I can't reference all of them, um, but I can let you know. What happened on October the 7th was that Hamas had hit the cell towers and the AI computers of Israel very harshly and quickly. So fact that they couldn't respond. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, Israel had just converted fully over to an AI system, artificial intelligence system, that had sensors in the wall that detected movement. And the reason why Israel was caught off guard was those AI sensors and through the cell towers were just completely disabled. And so the AI never communicated with the Israeli defense headquarters, letting them know that an invasion was taking place. And as a result of this, this is how Hamas got across without being detected. The sensors were completely failed. The AI technology failed. Uh, and, and ironically, this points out why we cannot trust AI, by the way, um, which we've been talking about for several years here at Fig Tree Watchers. And so, so this invasion happened. The second thing that's come out in the media is, wait a moment, these horrific acts, did they really happen? Well, Israel's been a little bit slow in disclosing some of these acts, but what has changed is that the people are so angry that Israel isn't showing the pictures of it, that we're just now seeing the images of this. We're seeing the burnt bodies, we're seeing the decapitated children, we're seeing uh, the, the, the pregnant mother, the images of the pregnant mother um, that had the baby ripped out of her stomach. Mm -hmm. We're seeing the children whose fingers were cut off in torture rooms. Um, and then we now know that Hamas videotaped it all. And we have the recording of Hamas uh, calling their parents, telling their parents, hey, I just raped this girl. I just brutalized this family. I did all these horrible things to, to them. And so we also know that the people in Gaza were celebrating. They were cheering with tears of joy in their eyes, um, celebrating this. So we have video evidence, we have concrete documented photographs of the atrocities, we have Hamas soldiers admitting to the atrocities, bragging about it like Nazis, uh, like the Nazis did. And yet the world is still being sympathetic to Hamas. Now before I, we, we get on to this Middle East subject that we're talking about, I, I wanna give you a moment. Did I, you think anything, I missed anything in that recap right there that we talked about? Mm -hmm. No, that was a pretty good recap. Um, and yeah, like you said, it was pretty crazy. Um, you did a pretty good job, actually, because um, early on, I think maybe a week after, a few days after, I forgot when, but Amir Sirfati from Guild Israel, he did a Middle East update. He talked about everything you just said, basically called out the misinformation, um, because there were conspiracy theories and things like that. And, you know, first day, first few days, nobody knew what was really going on. So that's why you have to use wisdom, uh, because when things like that happen, we just don't know. I mean, we can think back to the Ukraine war first few days. There was a lot of stuff reported. It wasn't until a week after, months after that we were like, wait a minute, what we thought was true wasn't really the case. Um, so you got to be careful with that. So Amir talked about that. Amir talked about kind of what you touched on where um, Hamas, and, and by the way, um, we'll just touch on this quickly. It's been reported already that Hamas and Iran worked together to perpetrate this for over a year now. They worked together over a year now to plan this out. And I don't know if, if Hezbollah kind of joined them with that planning. Yes, um, in Lebanon, by the way, yeah. in Lebanon. Um, and uh, this was documented also by Task and Purpose, which 
we have listed as a source here okay. for a lot of this information. Um, so yes, absolutely, you're correct on that. Yeah. So yeah, so all that happened, you know, they they um, disarmed basically the the various outposts. They bombed. They used like their drones to bomb cameras, things. These outposts. They had there's like an IDF like um, base that so they went there, rushed there, killed all the soldiers. So just because of all those initial attacks, again, people. In Israel didn't know. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu only learned, like, I think a few hours after the initial attack. So that's why Hamas was able to roll into that one village we heard about. I think it's Kibbutz. I might be really uh, incorrect on that, but that one village where there was basically just a few thousand people. They murdered people, burned people, um, committed all these atrocities, and they didn't know until after the fact because of Hamas's initial surprise attack. Um, so yeah, so that's all true. Um, and it's just terrific. And unfortunately, what we're seeing, kind of like Brother Stefan said, is people are denying these things, right? Mm -hmm. That's why you have people, if you go on channels, I mean, I've been careful not to show pictures of bodies and things like that. I've been very careful with that. Uh, maybe I might show or, uh, you know, share whatever, Amir or whoever shares things like that. Um, but I've been very careful to do that because you can find it online. It, it, you know, it's not that hard to no. find the bodies, to find no, the I've seen, I've, I've seen is, almost... Yeah, IDF is now posting, you know, the phone calls. He talked about it. Right. One uh, terrorist who calls his mom, hey, I kill all these people. And she says, or the dad or whatever, it's like, oh, Allah bless you. Allah, you know, keep you safe. And it's like, and people are still denying these things. And we have college students on college campuses saying free Palestine and, you know, from the river to the sea. And it's just like, you know, if you've ever questioned how in the world could people allow the Nazis to roll into their German, uh, Nazi Germany at the time and just, you know, take Jews and kill them and people are just quiet. People deny it. You know, we think that, you know, the Holocaust deniers right now in our day, maybe we can kind of say, okay, you know, uh, maybe they think that the, there's no pictures or they make those arguments that the pictures are made up and blah, blah, blah. And it was such a long time ago. Nobody really knows, although we have evidence to the contrary. But now we're in a day and age where people can videotape something. You can see it live and people still deny it right right so it's just it's just really crazy you know and this brings up one more thing we're, we're not just seeing a sense of denial but we're also seeing still seeing a, a a questioning of what kind of response israel's supposed to make we keep hearing this response from the u.n secretary from even the catholic pope right um and i'm going to get into that in just a second yeah. but let me start with the u.n secretary asking well what's a proportionate response well, what would be a proportionate response to a father being having his eye, one eye gouged out as he's watching with his other eye, them cut the fingers off his seven-year-old boy, rape his five-year-old daughter in front of them, and then torture his wife to death and cut off her breasts as they're all screaming in agony, and then finally put a bullet in them. What would, what would be a proportionate response to that? I mean, I don't know. What would be the proportionate response to 1,400 Israelis being gunned down, massacred, children being raped, women being raped, boys being raped. We're talking about horrific acts of sodomy and torture that took place. So to me, when you say proportionate, well, proportionate should be 1,400. Let's go back and let's do the same thing. But that's not what Israel is wanting to do. Israel is still going out of their way to try to warn civilians, move out of the area. We're going to bomb. We're going to take it out. Um, Hamas is using a hospital, and underneath the hospital is their headquarters. Yep. And so, you know, this is another thing. We know the hospital bombing was fake. Um, it was actually done by Hamas. We now have the evidence for it. Actually, Palestinian Jihad. Palestinian yeah. Jihad actually did it. So 
let's let's talk about this. And now we have the Pope, who is still trying to put this burden on Israel and not on Hamas, not on evil. Mm -hmm. He's not calling out evil, evil. He's trying to whitewash it. And this is the problem that this goes back in, in, to, in today's uh, news story podcast I listened to. It's called um, The World and Everything in It. And it's the October 27th issue, the culture issue, as they call it today. And I recommend you listen to the podcast. They brought this out. Why is the Pope this way? Well, it has to do with what's called liberation theology. And it's not really theology at all. What it really is, it says that, you know, Jesus was a communist. And the Pope and an overwhelming majority of bishops actually subscribe to this uh, liberation theology and communism indoctrinated into the gospel message. Um, this is where Paul warns us, look, don't get involved with these empty philosophies of the world. Yeah. Okay, these doctrines of demons uh, that he talks about. And the problem is it's not just the Pope. Remember, he was elected by a majority of bishops. It is the entanglement of the complete magisterium of the Catholic Church that is corrupted right now. This is why, as Christians, Jesus warned us uh, with the seven churches, don't put your faith in the church, put your faith in me. Listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you because he's speaking it from me, right? And this is so important because we are not to trust our pastors, our bishops, our our magisterium of the Catholic Church. We're to trust Jesus, right? Um, Paul says, look, if anyone brings you a different kind of gospel than me, even if it's me, don't listen to it, right? He commended the Brians, test, test what I'm saying. He, he commended them, you've tested what I'm saying. I like that about you, right? Um, so we're supposed to test them. We're supposed to examine it, them against scripture whether it's Pastor Jack from Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, or your pastor, or the Pope, or the Magisterium of the Catholic Church, you question what they're teaching you against Scripture. Yeah. Scripture supersedes the traditions and philosophies of men all day long. And this is so important for us to understand because now we're watching a corrupt Pope who's even gone as far as to go against Catholic tradition and bless homosexuals, right? Um, which has just taken place uh, two weeks ago. So we need to be very careful of what's going on there. And, and uh, I, I, th this is so important that right now as Christians, we have to be grounded in God's word and we have to test everything by scripture. What do you think on that, Ayo? Yeah, no, I agree. We can't trust solely, um, you know, religious authority, whether it's you and me, you know, you know, if we want to consider ourselves religious authority, whether it's our pastor, the Pope, whatever. Um, yes, obviously God, you know, puts those people up to, you know, for the benefit of the church, but we're not to solely trust them, right? We're not just to solely just kind of give them our brains and our minds, like, okay, whatever they say, it's, you know, so whatever they say, we feed it through scripture. Sometimes, you know, many times they're right. Sometimes they can be wrong. And today we're seeing a lot of people who are wrong. Um, so you have to filter that out. Um, and then before I go to the news, something else I want to touch on that, that, you know, as you were kind of talking, I was thinking about is that we could dedicate a whole episode to just the, the misinformation, the, the, the fake news, the, the falsehoods of how people, because I look at comments, right, on Facebook, on, on Twitter, on Instagram, you'll just see posts of IDF, and you'll see people basically saying a lot of false stuff, like, 
for example, you know, Israel just bombs Gaza all day long. Like they say it as if, as if there's no reason that Israel is retaliating. And then they make the false claim that, oh, it's all day long. They're only, and they say that, well, you know, that Israel, they have bomb shelters, but Gaza doesn't. And it's like, and I just think, do these people, and I'm not making fun, but it's like, do these people even like know what's going on? Like, do they ask themselves, why does Israel have bomb shelters? Is it because of their own, you know, is it because they want to have them? Like, it's because of Hamas, they started, right? So just, we have to get those things right, guys. This isn't like, I think something that also happens, people try to do moral equivalence, right? They try to act as if Israel retaliating against Hamas is the same thing as Hamas's original terrorist surprise attack that killed thousands of them and abducted hundreds, right? It's not the same thing. When Israel retaliates, not only do they have the um, the right to retaliate, they have the obligation, as you'll hear many Western people say, like Anthony Blinken from the Biden administration, he made that clear. Um, so yeah, so that's something we have to get in mind. And then as we kind of move into this, we also want to make clear that you guys understand that ultimately this is spiritual, right? This spiritual Amen. warfare we're seeing. Ultimately, what we're seeing is Satan's hatred against the Jewish people. Amen. Obviously, in, in the physical, we can see that, you know, Hamas perpetrating this. We can see the college students and the anti-Semitic people. Yeah, we can see that all in the natural. But ultimately, this is a supernatural issue. Satan hates God's people, and he would love to see them wiped out. We've seen that all throughout history, and we're going to see in the future, right? When we talk about the tribulation, when we talk about two-thirds of Jews wiped out, we're only really seeing a taste of this. So as we see the anti-Semitism, as we see Palestinian, you know, protest support around the world, it's it's shocking in a way, but in another way, it shouldn't be. I right. mean, if you can see this stuff now and the restrainer is still here, the church is still here, imagine how it's going to be when we're out of here. Who's going to defend the Jews? And that's what the Bible, that's the picture of the Bible paints, right? So we have to be clear. Say, you know, know what's true. Don't give in to the rhetoric. Don't give in to the lies. Um, there's a lot of propaganda with history, you know, people saying that, oh, the Jews, they, they stole Palestinian land. Uh, no, if we believe our Bibles, we know that Israel's been there for thousands of years. The, the historical and archaeological evidence is there. We've presented that many times. Um, and then we also have to understand that, man, this is spiritual ultimately. Satan is ultimately under control of it. Um, and innocent people are suffering. So, You know, I, I, I know we had his planning in a different order, but I think <laughs> yeah. with, that, with that segue, I've got to go to Psalm 83 on this. Yeah, go. Do you mind? Yo, All go right. ahead. So we're going we're gonna to discuss a little bit about this, but I, want, I think this is a great time to read that scripture because you made it spiritual, <laughs> and I think that this is important. Um, one of the questions is, is this the Ezekiel 38 war? Mm -hmm. um, why is it not? Just give your yeah. reasons real quickly. And yeah, we'll get, I will, and we can we can touch on Ezekiel thirty. We can read that later, but just for you, uh, for for you guys listening, if you guys don't know, Ezekiel thirty eight talks about nations: Russia, Iran, um, these other nations, Sudan, um, go against Israel in the last days for a spoil, for material material gain. Um, one reason why this isn't the Ezekiel thirty eight war that we're seeing is the motivation, right? Um, Hamas launching a terrorist attack against them. You know, reportedly it's been planned by with Iran and Hezbollah. Um, they just want to do that to wipe Israel off the map, to kill as many Jews as possible. This is not about material gain. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, another thing, this isn't a war or a battle with nations specifically. Yeah, Iran is ultimately behind it, but it's using Hamas as a proxy. It's using Islamic Jihad. It's using Hezbollah as proxies. Um, but what we see in Ezekiel 38 is Russia comes down from the north. Iran 
comes down with their hordes, Turkey, Sudan. So these are nations who are gathering against, physically gathering against Israel for spoil, for a gain. Um, so we're not seeing Iran gather. We're not seeing Turkey gather. Yes, as Turkey said stuff, yeah, has Iran threatened to wipe you know, people off the map? Yes, they've done that, but this isn't that. Um, another condition in there, and I'll end this and pass it off to you, is it talks about Israel at this time dwelling securely and safely. Was that happening beforehand? No, no that's not happening. So that still has to be something. So we still see all, it's still going to happen. We're not saying the Ezekiel 3 is going to happen, but it's still a future prophecy. Now, right. some people ask, could this set up for that? Could this cause Ezekiel 38 later or add to it? Perhaps, maybe, and, you know, we can have debate and different thoughts about that. But right now, this is not Ezekiel 38. So those are my thoughts. Okay. So that leaves a lot of people talking about Psalm 83. Mm -hmm. And the reason why people are talking about that this could be the Psalm 83, and I'm one of the people that leans, I'm just going to share this with you, that it is both a prayer and it is a war. And because I believe it is entrenched in what you talked about, a spiritual war. Okay. Um, and there's some people who say, no, it's just a war. Yeah. That's fine. But I, I believe that this is a, a really a strong spiritual war. When you start listening to the opening of it, I want you to think about what you've been hearing, right? From Hamas, from Iran, from Hezbollah. He says, do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. Now, who's writing this, by the way, is Asaph, who is a prophet of God. He's writing this uh, as a prophetic psalm, a lot of people believe, which I'm one of them, um, as a prayer and as a, a prophecy. So he says, do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. And do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult. What is that? It's like a chaos, right? Mm -hmm. A crazy chaos. And those who hate you have lifted up their head. This is one of the reasons why I believe that this is talking about a spiritual warfare. Because he's literally calling out the people who hate God. They hate his law. They hate his commandments. They hate his love. They hate his people. Right? They hate God. All right? And everything that God stands for. Then he says, uh, they have taken crafty counsel against your people well which people well it's israel he's talking about israel okay here he says and consulted together against your sheltered ones uh, i want you to think that we just talked about bomb shelters we talked about sheltering in place how the jews are, are always having to shelter down because of rockets flying over so they've consulted together against your sheltered ones israel basically since 1948 has lived in like a sheltered, isolated world that is, Israel is a home to any Jew, anywhere in the world, they, they can get there, they have a home, guaranteed. And uh, I think that that's important to understand. Then he says in verse four, they have said, come and let us cut them out from being a nation. Notice the difference in the language between this and Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38 says, let's go take their, let's take their wealth from them. Here it's saying, let's, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation. Isn't that the exact words that we're hearing from Hezbollah, from the Houthis, from Hamas, from uh, the, the uh, uh, rebellious people within the Jordan border who are trying to cross the border and attack Israel right now? We're hearing it. Let the name of Israel be, uh, may, they may not be remembered anymore. That's crazy. They, they don't even want Israel's name remembered. They want to wipe it out exterminate it. 
See, and, and this is where it goes back to that idea. Well, what's a proportionate response to genocide, right? This is what you need to look at. For they have consulted together with one consent. Yeah, they have. They sure have. Everyone surrounding Israel has done this. They form a confederacy against you. Now, this is why th that language right there is why most people say, wait a moment. Th this is what's going on right now. This isn't a nation, a group of nations coming together. It's a confederacy of groups of individuals, not one nation's me mentioned here, right? It's groups of it. It's tribes. And now he starts to get into it from the tents of Edom. He's not saying it's Edom. He's saying from the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and Hagarites, uh, Gebel, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, which is where Gaza is, okay? Um, with the inhabitants of Tyre, that's where Lebanon is, right? So you're seeing all this, and he's talking about it, the tents from these different regions. And I think that that's really powerful to see and understand um, why he's making this. Assyria has joined with them. They have helped the children a lot. Now, it's saying that the people of Assyria has helped. Where, well, that is accurate. We're seeing the people in Assyria, the Golan Heights is being uh, attacked. You're seeing uh, rockets coming from there, from Iran, uh, soldiers that are based in, in there. Uh, you're seeing an attack all the way around. Rockets from everywhere, from Yemen, everywhere. And these places are all mentioned, right, that we're seeing today. Now, Asaph says, deal with them as with Midian and with Sisera and with Jabin at the brook of Kishon, who perished at Endor, who became as refuse on the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb. Yes, all their princes like Zeph and Zalmunna, who said, let us take for ourselves the pastors of God for a possession. Oh, make God, oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind and the fire burns the woods. And as the flame sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish that they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Asaph is actually praying that they will turn back to God in this, that this would be a revelation to them that the Lord is God. I think that that's powerful. Um, he's, he's asking them to let them come to shame, O Lord, that they would realize what they've done, right? Now, I am going to hand this off to you. What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm definitely familiar with your view. And like you've said, um, we've actually, I think we've gone over it once too. You know, actually kind of more in depth than this. Um, but yeah, and I'm, I usually, when he asks me about it, and usually when I tell people about it, I'm always like, I don't know where I land with Psalm 83. Like I still have to do my own study. But what I do know are the various views. And that's kind of what I'll elaborate on here quick before I move to the articles. So Brother Stefan elaborate on one view, um, which some hold, which is the view that's an imprecatory prayer. And the word imprecatory there just means it's kind of prayer where someone's calling for the judgments against, you know, their people. So in this case, it's not just calling for the judgments against God's people. Um, so that's what imprecatory prayer is. So he believes it's an imprecatory prayer and a future prophecy. Now, with those who hold that it's a prophetic prophetic, battle that takes place sometime in history or the future 
Some believe it's still future, like in the tribulation or maybe now or whatever, maybe in the gap period of time between the rapture and the tribulation. Some, like people like uh, Amir Safadi from Beo Israel, he says no, and he believes it was actually fulfilled in the Six-Day War. So you'll get people like that who believe that, yeah, it's a war, but it already happened in history. There's that view. Um, uh, there's the view where people believe that uh, maybe it's just a recurring thing, that it always talks about generally the conspiracy against Israel, nations hating God, uh, or nations hating Israel. So you'll get that view as well. Um, so there's a lot of different views. There's just the view that it's just an imprecatory prayer that doesn't have anything prophetic to do. You get people like Andy Woods believe that. So there's a whole lot of different views to this. Um, it's very interesting, and for me personally, I still want to dive into it some more. But um, I appreciate you elaborating on your view as well, and I think it should give you guys some to think about and dig into for yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, hey, so we have uh, um, a couple of things here on the Bible prophecy. Um, you had an article, uh, it's called The Mo Gog, Magog, and Rapture by Terry James. Mm -hmm. uh, it was published on October the 25th. Um, why don't you break that down for us a little bit, and why is that important for today? Yeah. Yeah, that was a cool article um, by Tara James because he just kind of kind of asked the questions that we asked, like, oh, is this Ezekiel 38, is this uh, Psalm 83? Um, and then he kind of used that to dovetail into the prophetic um, scene of it all, uh, what we should be looking at. So part of this article, I'll just read some of it here, is there's much questioning, speculation, worry about exactly what the ghastly attack on Israel by Hamas means in terms of all prophecy. What it all means with regard to the rapture seems the prime focus of concern. Is this the beginning of the Gog and Magog War of Ezekiel chapter 3 and 39? Is the salt the beginning of the Psalm uh, 83 war? And added to the subject of the question of Isaiah 17.1. Um, some of you guys might have seen, I think it was last week or so, at the height of this, and actually it honestly hasn't even began. People like Amir would say the war hasn't even really started yet. Um, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu threatened that if, others were to get involved they would literally wipe out damascus and they literally tweeted that and that's that's isaiah 17 one again there's various views on that but that that really came to discussion because of that tweet to continue said it says will damascus meet its total destruction as part of things about to unfold since israel prime minister benjamin Netanyahu and others in the idf and israeli defense officials have vowed immense retaliation i certainly don't have the answers at least not from a hundred percent knowledgeable perspective and none of us do we can definitely postulate a bit based upon a studied view of God's word that involves future fulfillment of prophecy. So while things are coming together in the Middle East, surrounding and totaling, uh, totally involving God's chosen nation, thrown into the milieu of developments is every other prophetic indicator for the wrap-up of history just prior to Christ's second coming. All ingredients for Daniel's seventh week are shaping up for the time just said would be the worst ever. Um, so I all we see developing now are profoundly troubling. The end is not yes. That's important, right? With everything we're seeing, with all the chaos, you know, we could talk about technology and central bank digital currency and, and world governments and all that stuff. The end is not yet. Um, there remains wars and rumors of wars leading to the final dispensational era called the Great Tribulation. Uh, he says here to wrap it off, I'm convinced that although we believers might be here to see considerable war making, we won't be on earth to witness the end of the things we see going on now in the land that's destined to host the Gog Magog War in Armageddon. So he just kind of leaves it off there saying that, hey, you know, there's a lot of signs of the times. We know it. We know that there's a lot of stuff going on. Point us to the fact Jesus is returning soon. Um, can we be sure specific prophecies are being fulfilled or close to fulfillment? Maybe not. You know, maybe we can make the argument that this is being set up and that's being set up. 
Um, but ultimately, I believe kind of what he's saying here is that, hey, we know time's getting near, and, and our focus should, I think our focus should less be on the intricacies of like when, what rapture, or when, what specific passage of scripture is going to be fulfilled more on Christ, right? Until we can see that, hey, things are heating up, things are ramping up, Christ is coming soon, let's be busy about the Father's business, right? Um, so, so I like that article for that reason. I don't know if you had any uh, thoughts on it before we move on here. You know, my heart has been um, very heavy in this thought process a lot lately. I think that we need to live with the anticipation as Christians that the rapture is coming at any moment. But we need to endure like a post-tribulation person would, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, we need to un have an understanding that we are going to be suffering. Yeah. That things are going to get worse before they get better, right? So although we both hold to the pre-trib rapture view, I think it's important for every Christian to start having an enduring view in their mindset to live as though they were going to go through the post-tribulation, right? Um, and why is that? Because um, God tells us to be prepared. He tells us. And he tells us that part of the Christian walk is to have endurance. And I think that that is so important because we are going to face persecution. We are going to suffer. We're going to see war coming about. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not going to be all nice and rosy and yeah. then the rapture shows up. It's going to get really, 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 really bad. Okay. And um, I think this is a, a, a valid criticism that post-tribulation people make of us. Uh, and they, they make fun of us all the time on is, oh, you guys just think you're going to rapture and you're going to, you're not going to endure anything. That's not the promise that Jesus gave us. Mm. He told us we were going to suffer. And so um, I think we have to be prepared for this and we do have to endure and we should have a post-tribulation mindset with the anticipation of the rapture happening at any moment. Yeah. I can see it now. People saying, Stefan believes we're going through the tribulation. <laughs> Not what people I said. Quick. Not what people, I said. Okay. I don't know what it is, man. But people just—they don't even see me on the lives. They don't even hear me on the podcast. They always hear you. They always take yourself out of context. That's not I know. What I'm going to get ridiculed. <laughs> I'm going to get so ridiculed. That's not what I said. I, please, there's got to be witnesses I, somewhere. I okay? couldn't. I couldn't help. But I had to make that joke. But no, I. No, I I'm free trip. <laughs> We need to have this mindset yeah. of endurance, like a post-tribulation person would. Yeah, yes. no, no, I agree with you. And that's why I tell people as well that, hey, we need to live as if the Lord can come back now. But we also need to live as if we can live out the rest of our earthly lives here, right? So just because we believe the Lord can come back now doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, drop out of school. I'm not in school, but just an example. I'm going to drop out of school or not get married or not start a business or, you know, X, Y, and Z. Still pursue your education, still make plans, still allow the Lord to guide you in your life as if as if you would live out the rest of your life, but do all that knowing that, hey, today can be your last, whether the Lord uh, comes and gets us today or he takes us, maybe it's our, our last day or we're going to breathe our last. So I, I definitely agree with that. All my friends in the pre-wrath movement just jumped up for, for a moment <laughs> of excitement. They're going, come to our side, come to our side. That's <laughs> uh, funny. Yeah, all let's, right. let's take a quick break here before we move on. I think I see some comments. I see official David Todd. He said, Shalom from the Hoosier State, praying for the Shalom, Shalom of Jerusalem and all of Israel. Yes, uh, definitely encourage you guys to pray for Jerusalem, to pray for Israel, 
um, to pray for civilians on both sides. Because again, there are innocent civilians in Gaza who need to know the Lord. The Lord died for them too. So we should also pray for them as well. Uh, Nora the Explorer says, I think of it like a teacher who leaves the classroom and says when they return, there'll be a quiz. Instead of checking the door for the teacher's return, just study and be prepared. Right. Oh, that's a very, that's a very interesting analogy. I've never heard that one before. That's, that's cool. good. That's re yeah. really good. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. No, I, I, and I, I think that that's so important what she just said, because it is about enduring, right? The Christian walk is an endurance. It's, it's understanding that we have to be in, in, in living under persecution and suffering, but we have to pre prepared to endure to the end you know yeah. um all right so the the next thing that, that we kind of wanted to recap a little bit was for you as a, a little bit more of stuff that's going on right now today the ground invasion uh took place the ground invasion took place um i want you to talk a little bit about the other characters we've been talking a lot about hamas but what else is going on it's not just hamas 24 7 there's other stuff going on that we need to have an eye towards and um why don't you why don't you talk about that yeah so there's a lot going on you mentioned the ground invasion i'll read that quick and then there's there's other players i mean we mentioned hezbollah um, the terrorist organization in, in lebanon so that's the north of israel they're part of iran's proxies obviously the elf in the room maybe not so much the elf in the room is iran um they're kind of stable rattling as well um, so just like Brother Stefan said, uh, for about maybe a week over, you know, a little over a week now, um, Israel, the IDF has stated that they want to go in to Gaza to do a land, I guess we're calling it an invasion, ground invasion, that's what they're calling it, um, by land, sea, air, all those things to just totally exterminate Hamas, right, from the Gaza Strip. And for weeks now, we've been hearing that, hey, from Hezbollah, from um, Iran, that if you guys do that, they're jumping in. Whether that happens or not is yet to be seen. Um, but as of this article, and this article I'm referencing is from All Israel News, from today, deadline is Israel's D-Day. IDF launches air, sea, ground invasion of Gaza Strip, updated at 8.45 p.m. local. So that's Israel time. Um, so just a snippet of the article. As the sun goes down and Shabbat begins, senior Israeli government sources are confirming to All Israel News that the ground invasion is beginning. Dramatically expanded attacks by air, sea, and land are underway at this hour in northern Gaza and Gaza City. All communications with Gaza Strip are reportedly being cut, and we encourage you once this um, the podcast is up with this relevant sources, you can read that for yourself. Another article here concerning Iran, and then again, they're still rattling, they're uh, threatening. This is from the Times of Israel, again, from today. Iran FM says terror groups have, quote, finger on trigger if Israel does not halt defensive, and the offensive they're talking about is the ground invasion. Iran's foreign minister warns that Lebanese and Palestinian terror groups have their finger on the trigger in anticipation of Israeli ground offensive in the Hamas ruled Gaza Strip. Quote, what I gathered from what I heard from them and the plans they have, they have their finger on the trigger, Hossein Amir Abdullahin says. And I think this guy is affiliated with uh, Hezbollah, I believe. Speaking to U.S. National Public Radio from the United Nations, where he's attending a General Assembly session on the crisis, he says the terrorist actions would be, quote, much more powerful and deeper than what you've witnessed. Quote, therefore, I believe that if this situation continues and women and children and civilians are still killed in Gaza and West Bank, anything will be possible, he says. So that's how he quoted. It's like, oh, well, we can't control what happens. It's going to get out of control. Anything is possible. Um, and uh, Hezbollah usually is has been kind of the... You know, I'm not afraid of Hamas doing things to Israel. Yes, what they did is horrible, 
Israel can easily wipe them out. What's the bigger threat in the region is Hezbollah because they're the, the number one funded terrorist group in the world. 100,000 missiles. If they were to shoot off missiles into Israel, they could shoot off thousands a day. That would totally overwhelm the Iron Dome. Um, that would put Israel into the existential crisis and they would have to make uh, very radical decisions to defend themselves. So this discussion has kind of centered on if Israel does the Gaza invasion, which they have, and these other people jump in, Iran, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, um, Palestinian, you know, whatever, that Israel could use nukes on them, right? You know, they threaten destroying uh, Damascus and things like that. Again, all that's left to be seen. We don't know where this is going to go, uh, but it could really take a turn for even, even worse than we've seen. It could really escalate in a crazy way. But again, ultimately, do we have to be scared? Do we have to be pacing on the room? Oh no, what's gonna happen to Israel? Are they gonna be wiped off the map? No, because we've seen our Bibles. We've seen Jesus Christ is gonna return. He's gonna create a kingdom, a millennial kingdom. They're gonna be the head of all the nations. The time of the Gentiles is gonna be over. Uh, we still see Israel as a people group in the last days. God's gonna preserve them no matter what. Um, so we shouldn't be afraid of that or whatever the enemies are doing. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with you. We shouldn't be afraid of it at all. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, yeah. but a power of love and a sound mind. Look, we do need to pray for the people of of Gaza. Um, there are a few innocent people there. Um, it doesn't seem like it, but there are. Um, and we need to pray for them. Yeah. The other thing that I'm, I'm going to say that you brought up, which is Iran, real quickly. Um, I talked to uh, a military officer, retired military officer, and he said, um, we did war games called the GAT war games, G-A-A-T mm -hmm. war games. And these war games were anticipation of Iran invading um, Azerbaijan. Well, today, yeah. Iranian forces are on the border of Azerbaijan. And um, uh, that happened this morning. Heavy, heavy troop buildup on the Iranian-Azerbaijan uh, border. Now, you would say, well, why would they do that? Azerbaijan is at is in conflict with Armenia that makes no sense. Well, all the oil is at Azerbaijan and uh, you have two major sources of oil, Georgia and Azerbaijan. And the GATT scenario that the US military did war games on um, that this retired officer participated in um, is exactly that scenario. The US going in to, to defend those oil um, areas uh, because Iran still is under boycott and it needs that oil. Um, so why did Iran order Hamas to go ahead and pull the trigger? Uh, why did they give a blessing for it? Maybe because they really need to have a distraction, keep the U.S. bogged down in one area so that they can invade uh, Azerbaijan. And I, I would like to commend the president for a moment here, and that is he's not really buying in to the whole Hamas distraction. Yeah. Um, he's keeping his eyes on other areas and he's not even buying into their, to being sympathetic to him, which is completely, I'm at shock with. Yeah. I will be honest with you on that. He's like, eh, they said 7,000, but I don't believe him. I mean, that was the way he put it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he goes, eh, they tend to exaggerate, you know? And uh, that's normally not what we're hearing here. We're also hearing him suddenly get really tough on Iran. Like he's, he's you know, saber rattling with Iran right now. And I think we need to, to continue to pray for him because we need a strong leader oh, right yeah. now.
Um, and and I'm, I'm very grateful to the Speaker of the House that was elected finally, but um, we need to pray for our president, Biden. We, look, we're the first to criticize as Christians. He gets a lot of criticism from us. Most of it, it's due. But right now, we need to stop ridiculing him, and we need to stand behind him, and we need to pray for him. Really need to pray for the president of the United States. And I, number one, I'm going to say this. As Christians, we should not be ridiculing him, okay? That is not something you can find anywhere in Scripture, okay? Yeah. We need to pray for President Joe Biden. We need to pray that God gives him godly wisdom, that God strengthens him in this time. We even need to pray that God blesses that man. And uh, I'm calling on every Christian tonight in your prayer time before you go to bed, pray for President Biden. Pray for God's wisdom to be bestowed upon him, God's grace to be bestowed upon him. Um, and that something happens with even in his cabinet that, that they wake up to the things of the Lord and, and a revival would break out in that cabinet. Yeah, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you, brother. And this actually... Um brings my mind to a sermon that my pastor did um i think last week sunday or two weeks ago i, I forget but uh, he basically kind of started with it you know giving the congregation kind of updates on israel talked about you know why this is ezekiel 38 kind of like what we're doing here and then he says something that might be scandalous to some of us conservative christians that we should pray for the president for the leaders in office right and as as much as some of us might like just be disgusted by doing that that literally is what god commands us to do to pray for our leaders so that we can live in peace right and that he wants them to be saved as well jesus christ died for joe biden jesus christ died for these leaders you know people like gavin newsom people that we don't like we're not saying agree with them we should still um strive to use the authority the resource we have to make a difference to be a light and that means voting and we would love to vote in people that actually have biblical values but these people are in, God has allowed it, and we need to pray for them because you never know. Per the province of God, he may change their hearts, turn their hearts because their hearts, and I forgot how the psalm um, speaks of it, but it's like their hearts is like, a, is like a water, like in his hand or something like that, and he like just kind of directs the channels of the water. I forgot how it is exactly, but basically, God is in control, right? God's sovereign. He's sovereign over them. And if tomorrow he feels like directing their hearts to help Israel and and institute some godly uh, mandates and laws and things like that, he can do it. That's not besides from God, right? That's not impossible. So we should pray for them. Um, and, and yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. With you that. know, it's, it's funny. I, I uh, ran into a Catholic uh, the other day that we were talking and um, she said to me, she goes, she goes, I pray that my Pope comes to repentance. She goes, I pray for it because he's in the wrong right oh, now yeah. and so are many of our bishops and she goes i can't leave the catholic church even though i want to because i feel that if i don't stand there and pray for their repentance of the bishops and the pope then what hope do i have if they don't come to repentance and i thought that was interesting she felt it was her mission to bring the pope and the bishops to repentance mm -hmm. She says, I, I, I don't agree with them. I don't agree with what's going on. I think the church needs to, to have a reformation, she says. But I'm not leaving my church until God tells me to stop praying for my church to come to repentance. And I was like, wow, that's awesome, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I thought about it, right? That's what really got me on the discussion of we need to pray for our president. We need to pray for our governor, Gavin Newsom, yeah. your governor. 
um, we need to pray for them. And I think that's a very serious issue. So I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page on that. Um, we didn't actually rehearse this part of it, but it's no. funny that we agreed on it. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, what else uh, do you have for us tonight? Yeah, um, in Middle East news, so this is kind of more of an update. Uh, so we got another article here from actually the IDF website from today. Uh, the title is Daily Recap, Hamas Israel War, October 27, 2023. And they put a timestamp there, 1930. That's uh, military time. That's in their time zone, day 20 of the war. Um, it's actually, I think, day 21 now. Um, so the article, this is some field notes from Lieutenant Colonel um, Richard Hecht, IDF spokesperson to international media. He wrote, a few days ago, we hosted foreign journalists for private viewing of footage from the 7th, October 7th massacre. <clears throat> so I don't know if you guys heard about that, but they did this in response to so many people around the world saying 40, 000, or 40 uh, babies beheaded, that's false. Women being raped, false. People being burned or people being shot up in the uh, one um, uh, show that happened. I, I forgot that, that thing that happened in, I think, the desert out in the open. Hamas came, just killed hundreds of people. That's all false, people say. So Israel's like, okay, if that's what you believe, will call international people, international reporters, to come in and check out the raw, unedited footage from this for themselves. That's what they did. The great majority of journalists were, really sh <clears throat> were utterly shocked by the atrocities that they saw. <laughs> but surprisingly, and the, so this is what I'm saying now, but surprisingly, one journalist asked a spokesperson um, for proof. Okay. The understandable right. response, so, yeah. So, so so for all of those people who were born in Los Angeles, let me explain that in Los Angeles speak real quickly, okay? All right. You got pictures on the wall of babies decapitated and all the journalists are seeing it. And there's one guy who isn't seeing the pictures. He's staring down at the ground, okay? And he's like, well, I need that proof. Well, what more proof do you need? Do you understand it? All the videos, yep. all the pictures that I've seen that are horrific that I, I, I don't let any, I, I had to take them down because they were just causing me to be nauseous. I've, I've had a headache for a week, literally, because of the pain of this, okay? And this one reporter does this. So to all you in Los Angeles who don't understand, I want you to understand, they literally were watching it on TV, okay? And the guy still asked the question, okay? Hopefully that we have to speak Los Angeles every once in a while because things come in slowly there. All right. Thanks, brother. Yeah, just to wrap this up, uh, they said I actually appreciated this question. So the, Richard said this because it was a real reminder of the blindness around us. I asked myself, why is such clearly presented evidence not enough today? And then it kind of goes on and they say today we start to share classified information about how Hamas is using the Shifa hospital for his terrorist activities, if you guys remember, uh, Bruce Fun touched on that in the beginning, a few days ago, or maybe about a week now. It's, the time is all kind of blending together, so I lose track. But there was a rocket purportedly shot in a hospital. Uh, it was claimed by international media that, oh, 500 people were killed, many others injured, whatever. Uh, and people quickly was like, Israel, how could you? I think, um, not Elon Omar, but her, her Palestinian cohort, um, Rashida Tlaib, literally did a tweet blaming Biden, like, how can you not stand up for this? This is what Israel is doing. They've killed this many people. Well, hours later and days later, as info trickled in, we, we saw that, wait a minute, it wasn't Israel, it was Islamic Jihad that misfired the rocket. And that happens, guys, that happens a lot with the rockets that are shooting outside of Gaza. And then it didn't even hit the, uh, the hospital, it hit the parking lot. 
Um, but so that's what they're talking about here. So that's again why you have to wait. Don't just believe in the media. Yeah. Um, and keep that in mind. Yeah. It didn't even hit the hospital. It hit the parking yeah. lot. Okay, and it wasn't an Israeli bomb. It was Islamic Jihad, a, another splinter cell, firing the rocket, and it exploded. Because these are a lot of these things are like homemade, right? Yeah. Um, because they're they're making these materials uh for themselves so understand this the humanitarian aid that's coming in constantly into gaza cement everything else the cement is taken away from the people it's being used for underground bunkers yeah. the electric wiring is being used for making rockets yeah. they're using all these materials the plastic pipes are being used to to make rockets they're making rockets okay they're using it for weapons for underground tunnels for bombs for drones um they're using it for everything right uh they send in those fans and they made those little uh air gliders with them yeah. right this is crazy stuff they're that is going on there i mean it's mind-blowing that they're stealing from the people of gaza and the people of gaza were like celebrating um th this attack even though they've been robbed yeah yeah, they're not helping. And there's news reports from, uh, and even the IDF posted about it saying that, hey, uh, the UN, they tweeted saying that, hey, some, when they went to Gaza, some truck approached them, basically took their fuel and resources, humanitarian aid. That turned out to be Hamas. Hamas has fuel there and resources that, kind of like you're saying, they're taking or they're holding back from their people to use to kill um, Israelis or to backfire and kill their own people. Um, so they're not helping at all. Just kind of figure finish this off. They said we presented photos, call readouts, and testimonies. We've also shown how Hamas is stealing fuel. So just kind of like I'm telling you, from the people to use for its military activity. We have shown time and time over again how Hamas used the people of Gaza's human shields, including physically blocking them from moving to safety. Um, so when you know you get these people who are saying that oh Israel's literally committing genocide in Gaza, I mean I, I don't know what news people are seeing, what they're believing. Um, something important I want to say when you were talking about Joe Biden, uh, President Joe Biden, I agree with you as well and Anthony Blinken uh, from some many of the things I've been hearing this time around, it's actually spot on. They're calling on Hamas. They're saying that Israel has the, not just the right, but the obligation to retaliate, which is great. We, we agree yeah. with that. But what people like Amir say and other people who live in Israel, and I agree that once Israel continues their retaliation, it just draws on for days in weeks and god forbid months don't be surprised if international opinion turns around they're right. starting to say you can't do that anymore you're in the wrong um and that's what i'm expecting that's gonna be unfortunate but i wouldn't be surprised one one top military personnel that i spoke to said something to me very disturbing he said i'm really worried about the american um navy being where it is Mm -hmm. And it, U.S. troops are on the ground in Israel. And I said to him, I said, uh, naively, uh, aren't, don't you want Israel to have any help? He said, I'm worried they're going to turn on Israel. And that, the way he said it to me, shocked me so hard because I, I did not expect that from him. Mm -hmm. and, and I can't say who this person is because they're still active but they're they're very very high up in the u.s military and he said i don't trust us mm -hmm. to do the right thing yeah yeah we'll and, have to we'll have to wait and see but yeah 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 that, that just i was stunned to hear that so 
let's pray. Yep. Let's pray. And it goes back to that. Please yep. pray. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, we have some. Uh, we're we got about. Actually, we are. We're, we're out of time. Man, yeah. we're out of time. We're out of time. Uh, I just looked up. I'm like, oh no, we're out of time. Hey, this has been a great live. Um, I owe. I'm. Why don't you just quickly give the gospel? You have a two minute gospel run, and then we'll call it. Okay. Yeah. So guys, um, and we've talked about a lot today. A lot of it focused on Israel. Um, again, guys, ultimately, this is spiritual. This is supernatural. What we're seeing ultimately comes from um, Satan, the prince of the power of the air. Um, again, our prayer is for the people of Israel, the people in Gaza, the, the innocent civilians, that the Lord use this um, to, to open their eyes to the gospel, right? And the gospel is that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Um, so that's our exhortation or encouragement to you that, through everything we're talking about, through Bible prophecy and end times and all that, we want to point to Jesus to say that, hey, the time is short. Jesus is coming back. Believe on the gospel now. You'll be saved today. So if you're to breathe your last, you'll be with the Lord. Um, uh, you won't go through the tribulation when he, if he comes back to get us today. Um, so we just encourage you for that. And for those who already believe, uh, we just ask that uh, you just focus your eyes on Jesus. He's coming soon. So I want to be encouraged. Thank you so much, Io. We want to thank you so much for joining us. You can listen to the replay of this uh, broadcast. We're going to save it to the IG Live. Um, we're also uh, going to um, put it up on the on the podcast form, um, and you can visit um, the notes, uh, the show notes from tonight on www.figtreewatchers.com and on Telegram. So, and also it'll be posted to Facebook as well. So, thank you for joining us. God bless you. And please pray for our president tonight before you go to bed. Um, thank God for him. Thank God for our secretary. And uh, pray for, for wisdom and grace for Joe Biden. God bless you. Good night, everyone. Good night, guys.